Oh, like I like hearing myself in my my ears. I know, right. Welcome to Coach Cameron's Soccer Podcast. With me today, I have Brian Barlow from uh, Offsides, yeah, the Facebook it's, it's page. Off, you have hey, a lot of websites. It's Offside. It's not Offsides. Offside, always learning. Don't be the cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always learning. So, uh, Ryan Barlow is here in Wichita, uh, Kansas. Uh, as an official, he if it, you were an AR at our first game. Oh, I was an AR on your first game. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, how'd I do? Uh, you did spectacular. Right, thank you. <laughs> yeah, if you're a center, maybe not, not as well because they're more in the limelight, but yeah. it was good. It was the game was managed well. Um, we ended up winning penalty kicks. Okay. But uh, and you were the center official for the uh, semifinals of Pima and Georgia Military last, last night. night. Yes, yes, sir. And Pima won two zero, so that's good for my conference. There you go. ACCAC in effect. ACCAC has Pima in the finals on the men's and women's, and Arizona Western is in the finals in the Division One. So you guys are loaded. Yeah, yeah. We, Phoenix College, uh, we lost to. Western in overtime, and then we lost to Western at their place 3-1, and then we lost to Pima 1-0 and the, at their place 1-0 in overtime, and then we beat them in the region championship. And we got punished severely for losing to national-ranked opponents. Uh, we went from being, like, number nine in the country to you're out and oh, never been back. Really? Never been back because we lost to Arizona Western Pima. How dare we play them that many times? I'm not going to play them anymore. No, blame you. Hey, and I got I got I, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you the best team on the field last night, by the way, was the ref team. Oh, of course. <laughs> and that and that's what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, tell me a little bit about um, offside Thank and you. how that came about and. Uh, it's been like it's went viral since what 2018. It kind of just really went nuts, Took and off. it's still going nuts today. Can you kind of tell our viewers what that is and why yeah. you started it? Yeah, you know. So as an official, you know, you're not really allowed to say a lot to people that scream and yell at you, and what, and they scream these horrific, usually inaccurate, hateful things. And I'm a marketing guy. I'm a marketing company. I do a lot of marketing speaking, and so I just thought, you know, one day I'm gonna I'm gonna create a Facebook page, and I'm gonna say the stuff back to people that they say to us. Uh, but I don't have my badge on, so I, don't, I can't get in trouble, right? So I started this little page. It's very satirical, and uh, it had quite. It started to get a little bit of a following. Again, I would just say things that referees always think, but they can never say. <clears throat> it had a little bit of a following. And uh, one day, uh, someone sends me this video of a parent kicking a soccer ball at a at then I think she was 15 year old referee in Arkansas. Horrific scene plays out, and uh, my buddy's like, "Hey Barlow, you should post this on your page and tell people how stupid and crazy they look." And I was like, "You know, I probably could." And I am sick of that as a referee. My kids ref, and I, I just hate that scene. So. I, being a marketer, I, I decided I'm going to post that video, and then I'm going to make a bold statement. And my bold statement was, if you ever capture referee abuse like that you see on this video, and you send it to me and we post it on the offside page, I'm going to give you $100. Well, the video went viral. The message went viral. And then I would say within two or three months, I had the New York Times calling me, asking for an interview, not even realize it would end up on the front page of – their sports section of their newspaper, and then at that point, everything just blew up. What people don't know is I, I call I call it offside, the page offside, because most people in the soccer world yell, the most common thing yelled at soccer games is offsides, offsides. 
the players, the coaches, the parents. This is why we don't take them serious is because it's not even offside. You can't be offside on both sides of the field. It's not plural. It's singular. It's offside. So you're already wrong. So I called the page offside, which most people don't know that story. That's why I called it offside. And, uh, and, and so the page just grew and grew and grew and grew. And then I become this like national speaker on the way people should behave at youth sporting events, not just soccer, but at youth sporting events. So here we are. Yeah, it, we have a similar kind of track record, not not far as marketing and, and, you know, I don't have a Facebook page. That's huge. I think I have like 600 likes. Yay. Add to it. 601. Um, my frustration's always been with parents as well, but as a coach, because they like to cheer. And I want to coach and manage performance as far as their ability to uh, develop in the game. So U8, U10, I've coached every age. And I would constantly. Which is the craziest age group to ref, by the way. It's it's tough. So the I would deal with parents asking, like, please just don't even cheer for them because you don't know what's acceptable. Johnny kicks the ball hard as he can up the field. They're like, good job, Johnny. I'm like, no. no. I want them to. get a to- wide open player six yards away that we could advance the ball on the sideline. Bring it in, in the from the wing. I just want them to think. Take yeah. a touch, look up. Make a decision, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. We, we need to allow them to think, and right. they don't allow it. And then I'm in these arguments nonstop with parents like, and this is a long time ago, uh, just just going over why. You know, like, like this is why we do development. And, and the, the education never stops. So I started a podcast just to communicate the message I keep saying over and over and over again because it's the same message. It's just different parents or new parents, and it's tough. Because uh, they'll just say random things like, well, I should be able to support my, my son and daughter. I, we should be able to cheer. I'm like, no. Yeah. You know, if they score a goal, yeah, sure. go cheer. We, at least yeah. the action stopped. And then we can start the process. But there, there's definitely – there's a sideline issue. And, oh. and, that, and that's, that's why. That's the understatement of the show so far, by the way. There yeah. is an absolute sideline issue. I, I wouldn't let my kids officiate. Because then I'm going to have to be there and, and then wait for yeah. – hopefully my son or daughter doesn't get beat down. Right. Or, or like you put on your Facebook page not too long ago that that parent and went and speared the referee full yeah. speed. Yeah. Is he arrested, by the way? Uh, he is, and they're, they're debating criminal charges. I mean, I don't even want – I mean, if you go to my offside page and look at the video, I don't know what the debate is about. <laughs> He's a criminal. He's an absolute criminal. And yeah. going back to your story, um, it, it, we say this a lot on the offside page is – is I think ultimately your message is let the players play, let the coaches coach, and let the referees ref. That has to be the systematic message in youth yeah. sports. And if everyone got that, if everyone understood that, this game and every game played by kids would be what it's supposed to be. Developmental, innocent, sportsmanlike, learning how to be a good sportsman in, lo- in loss and in victory. All those things are sucked away because the crazy people on the sideline, the cheeseburgers, have taken over youth sports. And they have. And, and the coaches allow it. You're, you're I don't. spot on. I don't allow it. I, that's kind of what drove me out of the game. I got sick of fighting, but I would never stop fighting. One of the biggest annoyances uh, with sidelines was, I don't know if it was national, but in Arizona – uh, they had the ref or the parents on the opposite side of the coach. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck? I want, I want my parents right next to me because I want them to, I want to know what they're saying. Halftime, I want the parents, I do my half with the youth. I do my halftime right next to the parents. I want them to hear what I'm saying. But for whatever reason, you know, the coaches were all proponents of that. Yeah, keep the parents on that side because they don't want to deal with them. I'm like, you're a coward. Absolutely. You deal with your, you deal with your parents. You have to, it's part of development. How can you coach? And then on the other side, they're telling them something different. How are you doing your job? But a lot of them are scared to lose it because those, those are the ones that are paying them. And Absolutely. that's a problem. So we, we don't, connected to it. we don't have enough coaches with, um, you know, the, the wherewithal to understand how development works. Everyone's part of the process, the officials, the parents, the coaches, everyone's a part of the process. And if we're all, not all on the same page, it's not going to work. I was sitting in this uh, large st- – I was speaking at this conference, large room full of coaches, uh, youth, collegiate, professional, all around the world. And someone asked the question. It was after the session. Someone was asking – they were asking questions, and someone stands up and he says, you know, Barlow, who, who's really at, at fault here? Who is at fault with the behavior of people on the sideline at youth sporting events? And they weren't ready <laughs> – And I said, each and every one of you sitting in this room, you hold the standard. You set the expectation. You are responsible for how your players play and how your parents act. You are the leader. And if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a standard, if you don't set that expectation, and if you don't take charge and say, no, stop, then they just keep going. And then it escalates and it escalates and it escalates. And it gets to a point where now adults want to fight they want to fight the other team's parents they want to fight the officials and sometimes they want to fight you you don't know how many times i've walked walked off the field especially in my early in my career when i did a lot of youth and i'd watch parents confront coaches and the coaches stand there and take it so what you said is it, it is a cowardly thing there are great coaches with no bravada no mm, you got to have this you got to be able to stand up and go hey parent it is after the game. Emotions are high. You can speak to me, yes, in 24 hours when your emotions are in check and when, I'm, when I want to speak. But how many coaches do that? Very, very little. So when I answered that question, there was a lot of moaning and groaning. But by the time I was done, I had almost all those coaches come to me at the end of that speech and say, you know what? You're exactly right. I need help. Tell me what I need to do and how I need to set it and what kind of expectation. Tell me what to do. So, I, And I think if clubs and organizations and associations from the state level and, and even the top, the national level, would say, hey, coaches, it starts and stops with you, but we're going to help you and establish that responsibility list, it's all a trickle-down effect. And I use this, I, I use this analogy a lot. I, I love the Masters. The Masters is the greatest sporting event for me. I'm, I'm a huge golfer. And I've had the privilege of going to it several times. The first time I went to it, I was beautiful day, sunny sky, and I'm just I'm soaking it in. I'm soaking like I cannot believe I'm at the Masters. And I'm on this foothill, and I lean back, and I just I just lean back a little bit, and I just take a look up, and I'm just I'm just thankful. And within ten seconds, I mean, I had security and 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 people that didn't look like security all around me. And they're asking me my name and asking me to set up. And I'm like, yes, sir. What did I do, sir? And like, hey, when you're at the Masters, we have a policy that you are standing or sitting upright at all times. If we see you laying down again, we will escort you off. And we, you will always lose the privilege of being at the Masters live and in person. Yes, 
sirs and ma'am. Yes, absolutely. I did not know that. So I look around at the masters and I think, you have the most wealthy, affluent people in the world that are at the masters. And they are told, you will behave properly. You will not say anything unsportsmanlike to the people. You will look a certain way. You will act a certain way. And if you don't, you lose the privilege of being at the masters. And guess what? 99.9% of them abide. And they're influential, rich, these powerful people that we all talk about that we don't want to upset or disrespect because they have the money. So don't tell me it doesn't work. Because it worked for me, and I see it work for millions of people that go to the Masters. If you want to be a part of it. Then check yourself. Yeah. And to that point, um, the, I'm not sure what can be done, but um, education to the coaches and the soccer clubs and the state associations and everyone that, that's involved, the, the, the focus on winning. We all want to win. Kids want to win. Everyone wants to win. It, does, but ultimately we want to we want to be able to win for a lifetime. And in order to win for a lifetime, to play the game you love for a lifetime, I, the biggest problem I had, and I wish I was educated as, as a youth, the importance of controlling um, your your emotion at all times, so you are able to uh, focus on the task at hand. Because the game is just so so quick, so fast. You don't have time to mimic the behaviors of the Premier League players. A lot of them ruin it and, and really give bad information to uh, the young ones and the coaches and, and whatnot. But there's going to be bad calls. There's bad calls in the youth, and there's bad calls in the Premier League. It, there's, it just That's what it is. But the teams that are successful are the ones that are able to manage their emotions, pay attention to uh, the situation, and be effective in that moment. So all I like telling parents and kids, I'm like um, – yeah, the call didn't go your way, but don't you want to prepare for the next level? I, how You're not going to try to learn how to deal with that now? I mean, it makes no sense. I, I remember um, we got a PK called against us, and it might have been a bogus call. I'm not sure. And the, uh, one of the parents was very upset. Well, their kid's a goalie. I went, I went to the mother. I'm like, you should be excited. He gets a chance. To he gets. Yeah. He gets, gets a, a chance, chance to shine. He gets a chance. Not only that, but yeah. the experience alone is invaluable. Yeah. When you when do you want to learn that um, experience of being dealing with the penalty kick? College, right? What are you waiting for? You yeah. want like fifty of those? Yeah. And the, of course, he saved. It kind of worked out for us. But um, I said, I don't care if you get scored on twenty, thirty times on penalty kicks. When else are you going to have that chance to yeah. learn? Yeah. It's all learning. It absolutely is all learning. And and there's bad calls. Uh, perceived bad calls because um, we all see it differently because yeah, from our angle, but um, that that's a big educational piece is the, the focus on they have to win on Saturday. I'm like, I'm so confused. I'm like, I, I and maybe I was just kind of you know, born differently thinking about, you know, the importance of development, the importance of failure. I, I'm not sure. It seems so basic to me. You, you want to experience, experience failure. You want to receive the ball and, Lose it and be okay with it, knowing that you can actually think about it. Kids don't think about their mistakes because they can't make any. How 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 in the heck can you get better? That's why the best players that I get are not club players. They're from the Hispanic communities, and they have so many hours of playing without officials, parents, uh, the threats of winning. They they had their development. 
Well, that, and, and, and what I wish most coaches uh, would understand is sometimes your biggest victories come after loss. And, and, I, and, I, and I say this through experience. I, I don't ever claim to be a coach. I know a lot of coaches claim to be refs, but I don't ever claim to be a coach. <laughs> but I did coach my son's U10 team, and we were undefeated, um, mostly because they had a great coach. Um, <laughs> kidding. Uh, but uh, so we, we, we are in this game with this lower-level team in the league, and they are – I mean, they're going at it with us. We're 0-0. Zero, zero. We're late in the second half. And every, I can tell the tension behind me with the parents. So they're like, what is going on? I can tell the tension on the other side with the parents. I mean, they're excited. They know they're in this game, right? This is, this is the World Cup, man. <laughs> and sure enough, controversial play. They shoot. They score. There's like three minutes left. And, they, I mean, everyone's going crazy over there. And everyone's moaning and groaning behind. And so we end up losing the game. <clears throat> my kids walking off. Their heads are down. Their shoulders are down. One of them's crying. The parents are like, oh, my gosh. I mean, they are having a party on the other side. I have perspective. I know I'm, you know, I've got a little experience with me and all that. I have perspective. I grabbed my boys. I said, hey, boys, let me tell you something. Get your head up. Right now, I better see those smiles and follow me. And one of the parents by me was like, what are, what are they doing? We're walking across the field to the celebration. Coach, 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 hey, do you mind if uh, my kids and me are super proud of you guys? No one has played us as well as you guys have played us. And you guys beat our butts today. And we're all here to give you a round of applause. Those parents went from celebrating to, that's awesome. My parents went from, I'm ready to beat someone's ass, to, okay, I see what he's doing. And so we walked off the field, and I told those boys, I said, hey, boys, let me tell you something. When you fight as hard as those boys fight, and you want a victory as much as those boys wanted a victory, that's when you'll go undefeated. But today we lost. So go have some ice cream, and I'm going to work your ass off in the next practice. Be ready for it. Yeah, there's so many different ways of, of handling it, and, and the thing is it's, it's such a full-time job of managing the kids, managing the parents. I don't know how many times um, I would go and have a uh, – I would do these meetings with, uh, with – a I, when I coached 96 Hammers um, all, all girls team, and uh, I would go to the family's home. Uh, we meet with mom, dad, and and their daughter, and just have a conversation. I'm like, how important your daughter's development is, and and I need you part of the process. I think when you do group things with with parents on the side or or just a little a parent meeting, they don't listen because it's grouped. When I found where I got a buy-in is when I actually took time and spent time in their home and actually had a conversation and, and kind of got their feedback on things. And they were more apt to um, take a chance on me and allow the process to happen. And amazing things did happen. Because you're invested beyond the victory. Correct. You're invested beyond the victory. You've hit their soul. I wish coaches got that, man. That's, that's where development is. That's, that's where winning is. That's where long-term, long, long-term success and relationship building is. It's here. It's not the scoreboard. It's not that big, giant thing that says, hey, you're a great coach, you're a great player, you're a great team, because it says 3-0. It's what are you as a human being, and can I connect with you? Can I influence you? Can I make you better? Can you make me better? Yeah, because ultimately winning winning's just a moment. Like winning the national t- championship It'd be amazing. I, w- I would love to win a national championship, but our relationship, you know, with Coach Carmen here, uh, our relationship with the players that we have to this day, 
um, and all the one-on-one meetings we had with them really let them know how we care about them and really what the process is, which is to move them on, give them opportunity. Uh, That'll be remembered forever. Winning's just a moment. It's the feelings of having relationships and and, uh, that you develop, develop for a lifetime because you really care about what they become. That's a different feeling. That's joy. Winning's just kind of a happy moment. I'd rather be joyful than happy moment can, to moment. And can I – I agree. And, and can I tell you from a referee coach perspective, when a coach – when I see a coach that I have a bond with and he walks up to me before a game and he grabs my hand, we do the high five, the, the handshake, bring in, hug, super glad to, to see you on our game today. The, those relationships, those moments for a referee are big, big victories. If coaches knew to take the time to humanize their referees, remember, we have heart and souls too. We know, I know we're detrimental sometimes to the outcome of your games. But those moments are very victorious for us. We look for coaches and we look for assignments where we know coaches respect the image of the game. And by respecting the image of the game, you have to respect the officials. If you could tell one thing to your audience, and if I could teach one thing to your audience, especially the coaches, humanize your referees. Create those moments. Everyone's focused on the victories. The victories are often the small moments created around the big moment. So don't forget that as a coach. Right. I got to tell you a funny story. Um, You know Chris McConkey, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. She signs pretty much all of Arizona. When I was – uh, 13 years old, I was playing in a tournament in Tucson, and Chris McConkey was the referee, the center referee. And um, we we're playing El Paso Riot, and uh, I was uh, in Tucson. And I was, uh, I don't know, I was dribbling. I got kicked from behind in the stomach, and I fell on top of the ball. She came and gave me a yellow card. So I was very confused, so I called her F and B. And anyway, so the, I got a red card. La, 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 la. And then... Two years later, I have a referee assignment. I'm, I'm an AR, and she's the center. And I forgot about it. She did not. And she's telling the story how she's only given one red card out. It was this kid that called her F&B. And I'm, I'm like, that was me. That was me. <laughs> it was so funny um, that, you know, it's kind of full circle. Yeah. These relationships, you know, you're going to meet again, especially in the soccer world. Absolutely. And uh, we've been – Really close friends ever since, and and I really care for Chris McConkey and you know, the t- you know playing against her son. Her son went to Yavapai. I went to Phoenix College, and and uh, you know she's still assigning. She signs our conference today, and I just think it's yeah, sm- a small world, right? It is a small world. Careful she can what you give say. You the, yeah, you she can give you the lower level into that pull, yeah. a referee pull for your games. It, it just it is a small world. And Mark Passatori, uh, I love Mark Passatori. I've have him on uh, time to time on my show, and. Uh, he's, he's given to me, uh, uh, one red card. And I remember the red card he gave me, um, in college. He, and he liked me back then. He, he just hold that, that red card and he just gave me kind of a fatherly look. And I felt, oh my gosh, he's mad. <laughs> and I love Mark. I'm in trouble. Yeah, I, I felt in trouble. It was, his face was worse than the red card, but, uh, yeah, it is a, a small world. And now, you know, I'm still trying to get Chris McConkey to be on my show, which she'll be Come on, on soon. Chris. Yes. I'm on the show. Brian's on, on the, the show. show. Come on. You live so close to me. I'll, I'll have. A... I know. I'm like 1,400 miles away. Yeah. I'm on the show. <laughs> side by side. <laughs> We're five miles different. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, it's we need to humanize 
the soccer community. And but we need leadership. Uh, I think it and accountability. Yes, and we need to reward those coaches that manage those teams because a lot. I know clubs like to say, "Oh, we do it this way." No, you don't. Those coaches are in control of those little those teams. They're in control. They're they're ultimately in control. They're with them at all. You know, a lot of the times that the administrators can't. So we 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 need to recognize those coaches are willing to take on the fight. And there's there's a lot, and I try to highlight them. But a lot of them, they they'll fight the fight. They quit. Yeah, it's like a it's good a tough, teacher. It's a tough fight. Three to five years, and they're out. Mm-hmm. I went well, eighteen. Well, and 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 listen. <laughs> The amount of threats I have had just by being an official number one, but being the guy that created an offside page that calls out parents and people that behave badly at sporting events, uh, you would be shocked the amount of hate mail I get, the the amount of threats I've had. I've had threats against my family um, from a from a gentleman in Chicago um, that they're going to drive down and find us and kill us. Uh, yeah, and it's. Uh, you know, so and, and it's funny because when I, when, I, when I ran into you this week here in Wichita, you know, I always get the people that run in and say, hey, are you that guy? And I'm always hesitant. Right. I am. Why? <laughs> you know, uh, and I don't know why. I, all I'm trying to do, and, and I know people disagree with some, – some people disagree with my tactics. They think I'm too bold. They think I'm too abrasive. They think I'm, I'm shaming people, uh, and, and some people don't like that. But uh, I've, I've never understood uh, the hatred that comes from, from people, for referees, for people that are trying to take charge. And, and let me say this before, uh, before I forget. Uh, I applaud you because I, 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 this is not an easy thing. This is not an easy discussion. This is not an easy solution. And it's not easy to be the guy to tell coaches and parents, hey, you suck. It, you're the one that sucks, you know? <laughs> and I do that too, and it, I, I probably don't get much hate mail as you, but I get uh, I get some uh, non encouraging texts and email. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe once every two months. Because oh. I'm not I'm not that big, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wouldn't want it uh, daily. But it is what it is. And the thing is, like uh, I'm very similar to you. I'll be bold. I'll I'll, I'll say it how it is, like it is, and then. In the moment, I just do it. I lose a little bit of sleep because I know, you know, some my friends get upset and stuff. And I, I have, I also have um, the top coaches in Arizona. I only have a list at three. I get texts. I'm like, when are you gonna put me in the top list? I'm like, soon as you're good enough, you're not. Yeah, you're not there. You're, yet. Not, you're not there yet. Not there. I only have three. Yeah. I don't think I'll add from there. I'm still looking. <laughs> so, um, oh, even like some of my assistant coaches from PC from the spring and stuff. They're like, what's up? I'm like, yeah. yeah you run good sessions, but you don't manage youth soccer the way it needs to be. Yeah, they get offended, but that that is what it is. But I got to hold standards there. Yeah, just hand them out. Then what's the point of having a show? Yeah, I'm right. being controlled by, you know, everyone else that's already controlling and manipulating the game that I love. It needs to change, and uh, we need a we need our kids to be able to think, and they can't think. Ultimately, it's about the player and youth. And if we can't control ourselves on the sideline, the coaches. Um, the, the the people running the show, the adults running the show, we're, we're destroying our game. And, and you can see it. And one of my most popular uh, podcasts is about ECNL's a train wreck. And it is. Um, it's, I don't know, for me it's big. You know, it's it's like 6,000 um, and a lot of comments. You know, like my coach made me listen to this because I have some followers that believe in what I'm saying. But the game's not changing. It's the same, especially on the uh, – 
the ECNL side on the girls' side, it's just they're athletic, very. But they're they're not allowed to think. The only ones allowed to think is the goalkeeper and the forward. The midfield can't be creative because they have to play system. They play skeleton drills. They go up, back to side, down the line to their superstar forward. They're not allowed to think. And that's a problem. They need to be able to think. They need to be able to escape pressure, but they have to win. I'm like, what the? What are we doing? What, what are you trying to develop? When when are they allowed to, you know, think? And, and too be many, creative. Yeah, too many coaches are like, uh, too many touches. Uh, you know, play it early, clear the ball. I'm like, what the? F- Let them think. They're not allowed to think, and they tell them everything to do. Get it, get it to Cindy up the line. You know, to cross it. And like, when can they think? Eventually, you have to think. So, wouldn't youth be the kind of the, the beginning? Place, yeah. You know, and we don't. And so, I came up with this concept, and I actually applied it of changing the rules of the game. And one of the most successful things I, I did in league, and it was a rec program in the Palm Valley Soccer League, um, uh, out in the, the west side of Phoenix, uh, Fear Farm. I don't even know what it's called now. Um, anyways, um, we used to run that facility uh, with my soccer club. And I did a league, and it was a point system league. So every pass you connect, you got a point. We had flip charts. We're flipping it. And then if you pass it, um, if you went past half field, back to your half, into the attacking half, we gave 10. And then on goals, it was only worth one. Uh, same value as a pass. And then we would award inv- individuals too. So if they, they made an assist on a one-touch finish, they got eight. So we wanted to get their heads heads up and do different things. And they're flipping the charts. And this is how I know it worked. I had a parent screaming at their daughter, which is not appropriate, but saying, go backwards. Have you ever heard of a no. parent saying, go backwards? No, they scream, shoot, send it, kick yeah. it, boot it. Because that's how they went <laughs> at that age. But he was telling his daughter, Sophia, to go backwards to connect a pass, knowing that if they go back forward, they get they'll get uh, uh, ten more points, or eight points, or whatever it was at the time, um, because they were down. And halftime was like one sixty to one eighty two. It was exciting. It was different. Um, but we may have to change the rules and not put emphasis on that one goal. That one goal, and just change the approach. And that I wish U.S. Soccer would encourage that. Uh, we need to be more innovative. Be, uh, soccer clubs should be challenged to like. Do it better. Produce players versus produce wins. And that, that would change a lot of things. So um, uh, Louis Dabo, uh, uh, famous coach from uh, Arizona that started Santos, he did it, he did it right. He, he's the only one that's done it right, like run his organization now. It doesn't really exist now because everyone just stole everything. He trained uh, five days a week. And these his club produced Pablo Mastroni, Greg. Greg Vanny, Evan Whitfield, I mean, a lot of big-time players, and it was very simplistic. Uh, they would dribble uh, five days a week, uh, run really hard, and play small-sided games. And then uh, game day, if their parents say a flipping word, they can't say anything, he'd sub that player out and say, go parents. sit with your parents. And they want to be like, a coach. Yeah. They're like, that's his coach. And, he, and Louis Dabba didn't say anything. He just sat there. I was so confused. Like, as a kid, I'm like, I'll never play for that. He, he doesn't coach. Then they won the national title. Hmm. And then they Obviously, won. his coaching is – it's like we tell – you know, your, your, your winning happens at practice, right? The same with yeah. the coaching. It, he was way ahead of everybody else. You know, work ethic, discipline, and it was discipline on the field, on the sideline. And 
he had the formula. Everyone took it, and then they don't do it anymore. There's no work ethic anymore. You know, it's still, and it's two times a week because I don't have enough fields or whatever. Um, the discipline's not there. I mean, he would check homework, you know, your grades and all that stuff. He 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 did it all, um, but it doesn't exist anymore. It's it, you see. That's why I'm doing coaches. There's some coaches that get it and do it right, but clubs, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, I'm part of this club." Who's your coach? Yeah. That's who I pick because I don't care. SC Del Sol, all, all of them, they say they're great. Yeah, they're great financially, but are they? Th- their coaches are different. Yeah. They say they structure away. I'm like, okay, why, why is this coach making fun of players with his crazy sarcasm? Parents are laughing. I'm like, where's the development there? The, you the only be, one yep. being developed is a comedian, and the parents are happy, and the poor yep. kids can be crying later tonight. It's a weird, weird place um, to see development because I don't see it, it well, not in the masses. Well, and, and even from a referee's perspective, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I see some of the tactical changes and non-changes and decisions that coaches make, and I, I, I'm like you. I see no innovation. I see a lot of yelling and screaming and, and yep. pressure talking, uh, but I see no innovation. And to me, um, you know, I, I, I think a good coach is a coach who, yes, can make adjustments in a game uh, and manage his players, but, but the coaches that are screaming and yelling, which are 90% of the coaches, by the way, in youth sports, a lot of them. screaming and yelling on the sidelines, screaming and yelling at the officials, screaming and yelling at their players, those are not the most effective coaches whenever we as referees are on the field. And uh, it's funny because uh, uh, me and uh, especially upper-level referees, we all take in you as a coach. We are scrutinizing you. We just don't verbalize it. Like, I'll give you a prime example. There was a game here this week where a team is up 1-0. There's six minutes to, uh, left. If I'm coach, I'm dropping everybody back. I'm just I'm trying to keep that 1-0 lead. Uh, they're not applying any pressure. I'm dro- they have three or four guys up front still trying to attack. And I'm like, what is the logic there? Now, I'm not a coach. But to me, common sense goes, bring your players back. You know, protect that 1-0 lead. You got three or four minutes left in the game. Common sense. I don't know. I'm not a coach. It's rough. Just a ref. I wish I was in that situation. <laughs> I want to be up 1-0 in our last game mm-hmm. and pack it in. <laughs> be done with it. Yeah. Hey, uh, real quick, I got a couple questions for you. Yeah. What, what is RAT, Referee Abuse Tracker? So, Does that still um, exist? It still exists. All yeah. Right. Matter of fact, uh, we probably get two to three calls a week. On it. So um, there, I, we get, on the offside page, me in particular, get a lot of cases of referee abuse around the country. And what happens is – there's not a lot of systems in place locally to help referees who have been abused or assaulted. And so I got a group of people from around the country together uh, that I have a lot of trust in, that I know have the mentality of protect referees at all costs. I bought a 1-800 number, and so we basically um, promote that if you're a referee and you get abused or you think you get abused verbally or you get attacked or assaulted um, – our system is in place. Number one, you have a place to call. Number two, uh, there is a person appointed to every region in the country that will call you, get the information from your side of you, and then tell you the proper steps on what you need to do to protect yourself. Uh, and then we also have a legal team in place that in the event that we need to um, criminalize someone, uh, that has been paid for and is in place for that official. Uh, so RAT is, is, yes, very much going, and unfortunately, it is active. <laughs> And what's uh, innovatecrazy.com? 
So as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I am a marketer and I'm a speaker, and uh, I was that before I even started the Offside page. And uh, so InnovateCrazy.com is really I built Innovate Crazy as a platform for not just me professionally from a marketing standpoint or a speaker standpoint, but also from a soccer referee and uh, a person that speaks uh, on behalf of the way people behave at youth sporting events. It's just a platform that it's okay to be a little crazy to get noticed. Just don't be a little crazy to get noticed as a 40-year-old man at your 10-year-old soccer game. Um, so it's a whole it's, – it's, it's just the premise and the foundation of who I am as a professional, who I am as a referee, and who I am as a person. I'm a little bit crazy. Well, I'm a little I, and, bit and crazy. That, uh, well, how, tell me how you're crazy. <laughs> Watch my podcast. Yes. <laughs> I I, ha- I have uh, our podcast is pretty good. I'd like to have you on, on a, a live show, and we can bring you in from wherever you're at, from your phone or anything. Oh, that's uh, you're gonna fly me in like private jet, no, like wheels one up. Day, or one day, one day. Okay. Uh, we're trying to get big. But, okay, but uh, yeah, we we have it's fun. Uh, we learned a lot during the COVID break. But uh, uh, my daughter, uh, which we call IT Ryan. She kind of runs the technolo- uh, technological aspect of, of the podcast, and then I have uh, El Rojo, uh, which is my other son, or my son Jack, who's a what's re- his name? El Rojo. El Rojo. It's because he's he's very white, he's red, red hair, curly, and plays center mid for Tuzo, so he's the only white kid on the team. El Rojo. El Rojo. They oh. named him. <laughs> I love so it. So that's his name. Um, but uh, yeah, I would love to have you on a. a a live show. Um, maybe uh, when I have Mark on again, we'll call you in. Yeah, and, that'd uh, be good. Talk about uh, Mark Pass stories, uh, his hips because they don't lie. <laughs> that poor guy. <laughs> Is he, he wobbling now? Oh yeah, yeah. But he, he won't. There's no quitting him. So yeah, uh, nothing. And he's, he's still a P teacher. He's still yeah. he's on his feet all day, yeah. and he's a trooper. Um, how do I become a regional guardian? Oh, how does that work? Yeah. Well, uh, first and foremost, you have to have a record of um, of having some sense of either being an official or being someone that has mentored an official, um, and, and then really it's relationship based with me. Um, I, I, I'm fortunate. I'm very fortunate in the sense that I, I've traveled a lot as a referee, I, I, and obviously the offside page has helped me create relationships. But yeah, that's really what it boils down to. And, and really finding people that understand the referee's mentality, what we go through, how mentally abused we do get. Um, finding those people are hard. I would imagine. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you a story that might get me dubbed a, a regional guardian. Um, I was at a tournament during COVID. Of course, it was a Hispanic tournament. They don't shut down. Soccer will never shut down regardless no. of the virus. No. And um, I'm on one side, kind of away from um, my parents. And, and the, I love being part of Tuzos because it's all in Spanish. My son doesn't understand any of it. So he's not receiving much coaching. He just plays, which I love. So. Uh, that's the good way. So if 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 you don't want uh, your kid to be manipulated by a sideline, get on a, a Latino team or Latina team, and uh, assuming they don't understand Spanish, but you still can feel the anger. That's not good. But um, so I'm on the sideline on the opposite side with the other parents. I'm just over there, and the AR is this female referee. She had to be maybe fifteen, sixteen. And she calls a penalty kick. Took a lot of guts to call that, uh, hold a flag up for a PK. Well, the coach, 
uh, who's just speaking Spanish is just attacking her. And I can't take it anymore. And I just don't, you know, I'm like, and by the way, I have this on video on the green VO thing. And uh, I started arguing, telling the coach to shut up. I mean, she got to the point she would not come to half field. She stayed like five yards yeah, back. She's scared. Yeah. So I, I removed his anger on her to me. And I, I just tell him to shut up, shut your mouth. I'm like, you're, you're a strong man, huh? You have to attack a six-year-old girl. And uh, it just went to the point where the game was called because him, all his parents, they surrounded me. They were going to beat me up. And I stood my ground because I'm in anger mode. My parents come all over. It's a big, almost a full brawl, all because I was trying to protect a girl from a man. Luckily, no punches were thrown or anything. There just a lot of words in Spanish. Dude, we I'm need, sure they were bad. We need more people like you. Um, I have no self-control in that. I'll be in the moment. I'll, I'll be scared later. But in the moment, I'm like, yeah, I'm right, right? I'm, yeah. I'm defending yeah. a, a girl. Yeah. I mean, are, are, a minor. A that, minor. Yeah. yeah. Are we and not allowed he, to protect them? And he, as a coach, through Safe Sport, should lose his coaching license or his ability and privilege to coach based on that story. We're all, in youth sports, we're all protected and sanctioned by safe sport to not behave that way toward officials, toward anyone. I'm just going to have a VO with me at all times. Yeah, I'm in a lot of those you weird battles, and it's, and it's scary because, you know, I, I don't know what people are going to do. And it's, it's, it's always, always scary. I mean, uh, I've seen so many things. I remember my daughter, U14, played uh, on a – I'm all about putting my kids in Hispanic teams because they're they're good. Um, it was a full brawl. Yeah, a parent punched a kid. Nice. And I like nice job, cheeseburger. <laughs> these girls are tough, and they're all swinging. I'm like, man, my daughter was saying, but she was like, "What do I do?" I'm like, "You stay right here." Yeah. And then a parent punched a kid, and it went nuts. It cops everywhere. Yeah. And I just took my daughter and my wife. I'm like, we're done with this team, and we're done, we're done. with all of this. And we're done. And yep. It wasn't one of our parents, but the fact that it happened, I'm like, this is not where I want to be. Well, you know all these videos that I get, the common theme is the children are usually the ones crying, begging their children or begging their parents who are acting stop. like children to stop. Yeah. Oh, I would say in 80% of the videos, you hear the kid or kids yelling, screaming, crying, mom, dad, stop. I mean, how, how it, ridiculous! And it it it, it is strange. So like, um, and I'm I'm sure these parents that you know, I'm sure after they think about it. But in the moment, that that's where the coach needs to get involved. That's where they they have to have standards. And I always, you know, go to your point of you know we we have to shut this down. Uh, one of my I always say it all the time. One of my most favorite fake jobs is to be that guy that can go watch and then hand out like an officer, like a ticket. I'm yeah. like, here's your warning. What oh, a you're brilliant. Suspended. Yes. You're suspended for two weeks. I want that power. I always say like U.S. soccer, a ASA, just uh, let's do a trial run. Let me do it. I'll do it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried about people not liking me. I'm not getting paid by club. Let me do it. Um, that'd be such a blast. How awesome would it be though, if we sanctioned field marshals to truly be someone in like a, a security type, Uniform camera with a ticket, camera, and 
knowing so when we speed we're looking for the cop okay oh there's the cop i'm gonna slow down i'm gonna slow down, mm-hmm. I'm gonna slow down. so if we know we're at a game and we know there's a cop somewhere in the vicinity we're probably not gonna speed right we're probably not gonna act like a cheeseburger right and if we see that person we absolutely are not gonna speed or act like a cheeseburger right so and imagine you know you just get a ten dollar ticket or twenty five dollar ticket or a fifty dollar ticket and you don't get to come back until it's paid well, and raise funds for I think we're on to something. Education or something that actually will help educate. Well, they have to keep going to class to come back. Like, you to know, be a referee. Yeah, like running a red light. And you're like, oh, I'll just take the class yep. versus the fine. Versus the fine. You got options. So It's a free country. Right. We got options. We're well, giving you options. Let's start it. If you, if you want to do a pilot run in Arizona, I'll, I'll do it for free. I'll, I'll, I'll give tickets out. We just have to get everyone to – Buy in that the ticket is actually valid. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in Arizona uh, either right before Christmas or right after Christmas. Number one because I'm gonna go play golf. Number two because where I live is extremely cold. And number three, I have to get an assessment out there. But yeah, so uh, yeah. Well, so let me hit ask me you. up. I want you in my studio. Uh, so what, what the heck, Carmen? <laughs> Carmen, Carmen, you have one. Carmen, job to you. Do. Where's I, my red card when I need it? Where's the, just hold it, Gee, Carmen? We're, we're right here. Done. Are you there? Is it still Carmen? recording, Carmen? Are we still? I, we're not focused anymore. If I had my red card, <laughs> you would be getting a red card. <laughs> oh, it was us. Oh, oh cheeseburger! It's, it's always someone else's fault. <laughs> oh, someone else's yeah, fault. I think we did pull it, but we'll still blame you for the heck of it. So let me ask you a couple of questions before you wrap this thing up here. So, so um, what's the worst uh, thing you've done to an official? Oh, shoot. I've done so many stupid things. I had an awakening maybe. Far you had that one my... moment? You had that one moment where you're like, okay, well, I got to stop. I always knew – I was always been pretty pretty good because development was always my focus. The individual was my focus for, for youth. Uh, college uh, – is definitely different, different. Um, and actually my behavior in this tournament, which might be, be perceived as decent or okay or whatever is probably the extreme of me. I used to say nothing. I just say nothing, whatever it is, it it is. It was where that cleats up by that keeper, but, um, it didn't affect us. But, um, anyways, it's, uh, I think the worst thing oh, – shoot, I can't even think. How many red – okay, let me make it red cards. How many red cards have you had? By official, I think three in my whole life. Okay, and they're all and for, one was verbal? For, one was saying frickin'. Okay. And it was uh, understood that I said the F-bomb. And my assistant coach, I remember as I'm walking off, and my assistant coach is screaming at the referee, he's Mormon. He doesn't say the F-word. <laughs> and I still got it. But – um. I think, uh, yeah, I think three. Okay, as a player, much more. So, so okay. So, in your in your in your eyes, what what mandates a good official versus a bad official? Consistency of calls. Whatever okay. the calls are, they are. Mm-hmm. I that I I I push hard for my players to understand what the rules are according to the ref, and they change. You know, half to half. It's, it's all like, subjective. Yeah, Very much it, subjective. So, I want I want my players to under, understand that. There's an out versus oh we're screwed kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they are what they are, whatever the calls are, and it, uh, the goal is: can you be in the moment and focus on the task at hand? Don't think about the past. Don't think about the future. Just mm-hmm. focus on the moment. That's it. That's all you can do. Um, but uh, you know, going back to your question, I'm really think thinking about it, and maybe I kind of black it out because sometimes you do stupid things, you black out, and don't want to remember those things. But I, I think um, anytime I've 
screaming at referee, even though I might have been right at the time, um, I would have to say, like, yeah, just just berating them nonstop over every call because I hate that when coaches do that. So it's it's hard to look in the mirror unless someone's sure. videotaping you. Yeah. But um, but I definitely introduce a human element. My my goal is never to be involved. What 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 hurts the game is because uh, officials can be manipulated because they're human, and I can't stand what coaches are like. They try to use that like th- sure. their pitch of their scream, the the timing of their call, and and those things. And it can be manipulated. I think that's why you get fans the way they are. I think that's sure. why home field advantage matters. Um, there is that manipulation. I cannot stand that. Um, I just prefer to just be that much better that we can deal with that as well. But the, the weaker teams tend to, they need every call. And it, that bugs them because they want every call they can get. And, and some calls are missed or whatnot. We've all been through that. Um, and what you'll notice is the better teams, especially in college, they get the least amount of cards. Mm-hmm. It's because they understand something, mm-hmm. you know. I, I used to be, uh, when I first started PC, we, we led in cards because we weren't good. The other team had the ball. You know, right. We're going to have You're more constantly fouls. attacking. Right. Um, and now today, I always, always, like, I was always upset that Yavapai, of old, when they won seven national titles and they were uh, killing it, they always had, like, three yellows the whole season in 20 league games. And we would have, like, 28 yellows and stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, the, the referees are on favoring them. Yeah, it's right. because they were better. Yeah, and they controlled their bodies, discipline, talented. their mouths. Um, uh, they're better, and I think it's better to give players that you coach, uh, parents educated, uh, the information of life is not fair. The quite the ones that are most successful are are able to overcome what's not sure. Fair. So what would you change if you were an official? What would you do different if you were an official at a high level? I, it's so hard. I, I mean, uh, the thing is, not everyone's on the same page. I mean, if you're a high-level official, you know, I think the officials that have done the best are are more managing a lot of conversation with, with the, the coaches, the players during the game versus, you know. Straight card. Straight card. And if they can manage it and I get – it's not going to be that way all the time. And, and one coach will appreciate the other coach wants Cards. someone to be crucified. Yep. So you, you, you're, you're, you're in a situation of you're screwed. You guys all need therapy. Yeah, I, I mean, the, that's the understatement of yeah, therapy. And um, as a coach, I just want to lead by example in my later years. Cause I was in that job. I realized that. Um, but, and I, I always got the worst calls of it for years because the way I behaved, but it took me maybe three years to shut my mouth to start having a better relationship with officials. And, you know, Alan Chapman, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Alan Chapman, yep. MLS, uh, we play together. We, we, he's from Arizona. We, I had him on a podcast as well. And he was one of the most abusive uh, players to referees I've ever seen. The worst. I've heard. The freaking worst. And then he became an official. I actually paid for Alan Chapman's first uh, referee class. No kidding. I held it in my league, Palm Valley Soccer League, and we were in the same class together. He mentored me uh, many times up in Arizona when I did, did yeah. their, uh, some of their tournaments. I, I love Alan. Alan Great guy. He, but, and he'll tell it too. He looks just like me when we're both bald. Yeah. We, we look like brothers. I used to get freaking bad calls like, or, or bad looks from referees and stuff. They thought me I was Alan. 
Oh, how funny. Back in the day. Because he was so abusive. And now, now he's a referee. Damn it, Allen. Stop being a cheeseburger. Chapman. He, he was the worst. I coached Allen, too. Like Allen Chapman, the cheeseburger. It, the One of the worst things he ever did was, and I'm going to call him out now, um, uh, I was coaching the Arizona, like, adult ODP, whatever, so they could find get to the national team, the B national team. And we were playing, George Kuntz was coaching the Cal South team. And he went to a referee and was uh, making the fun how he, he spoke. And it was bad. I'm, it it was bad, straight red, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Uh, we still won, but he was able to just nice guy, and then he flipped, flipped. and that's what we have on the sideline. Bunch of parents that are nice people, but, but flip. they flip. And I'm kind of curious. You know, I probably should ask Alan. I'm like, well, what flipped about you? It's because he he saw the other side. He experienced that, so that's and important. And what I wish people knew is the other side is much more technical, and and there's so much more intellect involved to to the flow and the game management of a, of a, of a specifically a soccer game than you could ever imagine. It's not just a foul or not a foul or a PK or not a PK or a handball or not a handball or an offside or not. A, it's not that simple. Yeah. I wish it was, my friends. I it's wish not. it was. No, and I still remember the times I officiated when I was way younger. It was, I loved the cash money, but man, uh, I would lose sleep because I had to have in my head I got yelled at by this crazy parent. Oh, you do, and you do, and you do, you doubt yourself. I mean, even a game this week. uh, In fact, last night there was a there was a call uh, on the other side of the field, and the player ran to me is like, "Ref, are you serious?" And I go, "You know what? I might have missed it." I just told him, I said, hey, dude, I might have missed it. I've missed a few calls in my day. You know what he did? He gets it's all good, man. Run off. And really, if, if I could talk to all officials at one time, I would tell them that. Talk about humanizing yourself. During a game, tell a coach. Coach, hey, sorry. Might have missed that one. What do you do? I, I'd rather a referee not call it if they don't see it. Yeah. Versus being forced to guess. Yeah. And that happens because of the human side. Yeah. And the but, but, manipulation. But, but what most people don't understand is we are so hard, especially once you get up to the collegiate level, we're so hard on ourselves. We audit ourselves. We go back and look at our, our, our game film. We, we go we send video clips to get assessed. Uh, we have assessors. We are constantly, constantly nitpicking ourselves. So don't think what you do on the sideline is the reason that we're or hard on ourselves. We're hard on ourselves because we want to give the game what it deserves. And what I can tell you is it doesn't deserve you. And what I say by that is most people that attend youth sporting events, it doesn't deserve them. Right. They're toxic. And there's a lot of them, and they and they kind of they kind of create their own little gang. That they, they grow. It's a mob mentality. Yeah. It, it really it is. Needs to be taken it's care bullying, of. too, is what it is. And don't I, we can I can spend a whole another hour yeah. just don't get me started. No, and and I will get you started on uh, another show. I'll definitely Fair have enough. you on. I, I'd Fair love enough. to call you in. And the thing is, you you could be anywhere. You could be you could be doing a game as an AR and and be on the podcast. That'd be amazing. Hey, was, hey, pipe, pipe, pipe I'm me. doing the 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 final right now. Yeah. But, but I have time for you. I miss you. <laughs> I'm getting ready to go take the line on this uh, women's uh, JUCO final. So, uh, yeah, no p- pipe me in. <laughs> well, Brian Barlow, I really appreciate you uh, taking your time to yeah. meet with us. And uh, this will be uh, this will air tomorrow. Uh, and uh, I'll send you the link. And 
Well, let, before hopefully you, have you on again. Before you sign off, and I, I just want to reiterate, uh, what you do is so important to the discussion and the possible solution to how people behave at youth sporting events. So I want to congratulate you. And I know it's not an easy role. I know it's not an easy job. And I know it's not easy to be one of the guys on the front line in a very controversial uh, situation that this is. And so I thank you. Sometimes I feel like I'm on an island. Uh, sometimes I feel like I have a target on my chest. So whenever I find people that are screaming the same lyrics that I'm screaming and singing – I, I, I'm a big fan. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, uh, I look forward to taking the fight as you take on the fight. Uh, the more, the the better, and Amen. maybe one day we'll be our own kind of group that we get together at the uh, the coaching convention. We'll be both together. Or, or, or stop the hate. Hey, listen, and or if you run into a soccer complex somewhere in this country and you see someone walking around giving tickets to people for acting bad, that's us. Yes. Uh, uh, I think I'll just do it. <laughs> kind of like a change my mind uh, video. Like I'll just go out there and start handing out tickets and see what the reaction is. And they is. should be read. The tickets should be read, by the I'll, way. I'll do that. Let's I'll do, do that. And I'll have it where it's uh, – what's that called when you – you have a copy. You give them a copy. You have a copy hey, of the pink slip. Send it. Send it to if you get if you do it. Even if it's just one time, send the videos to me. I'll put it on the offside page. Oh, I guarantee I, we'll we'll get I, some. I I did. I went in character once as Doctor Hyla. I dress up as a doctor and, and I wear you know uh, a hair wig and stuff, and yeah. I give out chill pills. I did. Nice. Whole, I did that to my. Nice. I did a segment of that. So, but yeah, yeah. given demerits, I will be at a soccer field nice near you. Just giving them and see what happens. Yeah. And maybe I'll just find it and just put it to my foundation I have. Then uh, they might pay it. You never maybe. know. You never know. They'll get it's tax deductible. It'll send you an email receipt. Good. So I appreciate you. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Awesome, man. Thank Thanks, you. Brian.